What's up, Zaw Nation? My name is Wyatt Troy, and I want to welcome you to episode 9.5 of Behind the Daw, where we usually interview music producers, musicians, artists, music industry experts on an emotional, philosophical, and artistic basis. But this is a 0.5 episode. What does that mean? Don't worry, I got your back. So a 0.5 episode is where we take the audio from our YouTube series, In the Daw, where we invite artists to come and dissect their songs in real time. We put it in a podcast form. But don't worry, if you still want to watch it, you still can. Go to YouTube, search In The Daw, you can see it. But if you want to listen to it, you're in the right spot. Three really quick things to, to talk about before we get into the interview. One is the Patreon, one is artist suggestions, and one is private lessons. All of them are in the form of a link down in the description. If you could support us on Patreon, that would literally mean the world. It's what fuels this podcast so that we can keep bringing these interviews to you for free. So if you could do that, that'd be amazing. Also, if you want to suggest artists to come on the show, perfect. And if you're interested in electronic music, private lessons, or social media marketing, private lessons, all down in the description. Perfect. Got those out of the way. So who are we interviewing today? Today, we're interviewing Scarlet. We're going to break down the song that you're listening to right now in the intro. It's called Hood Rat, a very bass song. Love it. So what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about unique sound design using only Ableton devices. In fact, AU5 and I did an entire course on this. And if you want it, you got to let me know. Wyatt at inthedaw.net. Go ahead and email me. Another thing that we're going to talk about is shortening the distance between RMS and peak. What does that mean? Why is it important? It's going to make things louder. It's like basically black magic. And then the final thing that we're going to talk about is oversampling. What is it? What does this mean? Again, check out the episode. You'll find out. There's a lot of other things that we're going to talk about, but those are the big three that stood out to me. So hopefully they help you. If you like this episode, like, comment, subscribe, repost, follow, you know, whatever's appropriate on the particular platform that you're listening on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Deezer, YouTube, wherever you're listening to, let us know if you like what we're doing so that we can keep going and keep creating the best stuff for you. So with all that said, and without further ado, I want to introduce you to Scarlet. Welcome, one of my really, really, really good friends. Well, one of our really, really good friends, Jerry DeHiflipio. Did I say that right? DeFilippo, it's fine. I, I mess okay. it up a lot too. Welcome, Jerry. I love Jerry. It's good, it's good to have him here. He goes by Scarlet and he has one of the most amazing brands in the world. If you haven't checked it out, I highly encourage you to. And we're going to be checking out an amazing song today called Hood Rat. And I'm really excited. Jerry, how are you doing today, man? Great, man. Thanks for having me, guys. You guys are a couple of my favorite people too. Appreciate that, dude. I'm really enjoying that AP sent really good. Thank you. Yeah, no, I've been um, trying to get a little traction on it. It, but I appreciate your kind words. Tell us a little bit about the EP that's, uh, that's coming out here soon. Yeah, uh, so recently I did a, a, a rebranding from, well, big. I'm still Big Jerry, like that's just me, that's who I've been my whole life, right? But as far as a brand goes, I guess that's not very interesting. You know, I switched over to uh, my Scarlet brand. Would you like me to talk about my brand yeah, a little let's, bit? Let's just hear like, about it. I'll give you a little, because it's kind of like a concept a little bit. Um, I won't go too much into it. So what I wanted to do is create this world that people can go a bit deeper into if they wanted to. In this world, um, we know that the end of the world is happening. Um, very soon, a meteor's coming and there's nothing we could do about it. And everybody's trying to figure out what they're going to do. And there's this, there's this concept called shedding. And as of right now, shedding is transferring it into another body, a carrier. And then it's, it's the idea of like if Einstein or Steve Jobs or some of these really influential people could live two lives and have a little bit longer to live, um, what could they get done? See, that kind of thing. So I use that shedding theory or whatever in my brand in the sense that this world's coming to an end and our character 
I guess me, has found out a way to shed his consciousness into a scar unit. You know, I don't want to go too much into the details, but you know, he had a big scar unit that he was going to transfer his mind into. And I guess that's going to be, that's like the logo or whatever of my of my brand. While it was going to be happening, you know, something happened where half the house collapsed or whatever and crushed the big scar unit. And he had his scar light model, his prototype model that at the, at the last minute, he had no choice but to shed into the scar light model. So scar lit is really spelled S-C-A-R-L-I-T. So scar lit is the scar light model, you know, um, but also he gets to see the, the world now through scar lit eyes. So it's kind of a cool, it's kind of a cool concept in the sense that, you know, it's like a post-apocalyptic sci-fi horror concept. Goes good with bass music and that's uh, better than just being Big Durr. I love that you created a brand that's actually as in-depth as people want to go. If people just want to come and partake of the bass music, dope. If people want an actual like story they can fall into, even better. It's a, it's a situation where one doesn't have to know the whole story to enjoy the music, but you know, it's, it's there if you want to go a little bit deeper. Nah, I love that, dude. That's freaking awesome, man. Well, starting off at a slightly strange point, but something I'm most curious about. Um, so for the main drop section, you've got like, like a full-on melody happening, even, even though it's spanning multiple synths and stuff. How do you go about writing that? Because I've had literally three or four people in, in the last month or so ask me how to write like melodies if you use, say, two or three different synths for, for this style of music. Like, do you, do you do it all with one synth and then separate it out into multiple synths? Or, yeah, how, how does that come about? Sure. So uh, in the second part of the drop? Uh, well, yeah, I, I suppose there are certain sections where there's like two or three different synths and like maybe sure, half a minute. Sure. I think I see what you're saying. Do you mind if I, can I play a little section here? Yeah. That part, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. So interesting you said that. Um, I used to stress that point a lot, but then I realized that you're not really in a key when the drop happens. You are and you aren't. Like, for example, if this song is in F, which I believe it is. You know, the beginning part when I'm doing my chords and my actual melody lines, you know, I gotta really, I gotta really pay attention to like Western music in the sense that like my chords have to follow my melody and stuff like that. But while I'm inside that drop, really anything goes as long as you're in F. So I could jump into like Phrygian or harmonic minor or anything. And all that being said, I make little licks within little pockets. So literally while I'm making a drop, I'll work on this part. Like I'll work on here and then I move over and work on here. And then I move over and work on here. Like the truth of the matter is as long as it's all in F, it will glue. You could experiment with this by going and getting loops that are in F and mixing and matching them. Just put a sub underneath of it and mix and match them. Like for example, that that little super saw lick that I found in there, that was like one measure of a loop. Like, you know what I mean? Like that was one measure of a long loop that, I don't know, I just chopped that little tiny section out. I think I repitched it from D or something and I stuck it in there and it was dope. Like, I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then I wrote the other lead kind of not around it, but I always leave what's called anchor points for me anyway. So like in the beginning, it'll go like, wow. And then the melody will come in you know, or whatever. So I always leave these little pockets. So I guess when I make my melodies, I make them end a beat early or whatever. And then those little anchor sounds, those little pockets, they're very interchangeable. And that's the part that people don't really realize. Like you can go and change, I can change that super saw out with a screechy sound or a growl, rah, yeah, 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 if I want, or a lead, or it, it doesn't matter. That's the point. Like, that's the thing. This is like Mr. Potato Head music. It really is. Like, in the sense that, like, no, but it really is. If you understand 
And that's, and that's kind of the beauty of kind of understanding a little bit of theory or a little bit of like musical language. I mean, if you do, it really is like Mr. Potato Head music. And I think this, this song is funny because I, I went and tried to push the boundaries as far as I could with this song and it all still glued. And it's funny that you, this is the song that you, that you picked to talk about today. And this was the most like out there track that I've probably done because of all the crazy sound design and like the piecing together that I've done in here. Just so that I understand, going back to your to your melodic part of that, right? So you're saying that this is crazy. Like I've never thought about this before, but it makes so much sense in bass music and in the drop particularly. So as long as you're in F, it doesn't matter if it's F Locrian or Mixolydian or anything else for that matter. As long as you're in F, it kind of glues itself together. Is that what you're saying? Well, here, here, okay. Why, what's preventing you from jumping from minor to Mixolydian to Phrygian to, I just making them up, you know, what, what's, what's preventing you? Well, what's preventing you is chords and notes available to you. Yes, obviously. So in a song like this, that bass is pretty much hitting the root, the octave, the fifth or the third. You know what I mean? Like that's all that's happening. That bass is just, it's not even hitting any, it's not hitting any kind of weird notes in there at all. So for the most part, honestly, it's hitting the root and it's jumping up to an octave. And then sometimes like a little, like boom, 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 it'll walk down like that. You know what I'm saying? Just like a little thing at the end. But legitimately, I'm really just hanging around that F as a foundation. So what's preventing me from playing those other notes? No, yeah, this is actually really, really cool. So uh, the first time, like I'm, I, I've never thought about this before, but this actually makes a lot of sense. The I've actually seen this before and I've seen this in pop music before, funny enough. So on the Chainsmokers Don't Let Me Down during their drop, they go from like uh, E minor to like E Locrian, I think it is, or something like sure, that. Why not? Because, yeah. because this, this, uh, the Chainsmokers are exactly like this song, and not, not that this song is similar to the Chainsmokers, but in the sense that that sub is just kind of riding the foundation and all the cool stuff is happening on top. So yeah, as long as it's riding that, I guess in that situation, the E, E is just going to E, I'll tell you what, E will reinforce minor as much as it'll reinforce the other mode that you said that they went Holy in. Holy crap, dude, this is so cool. Like, this opens up a world of possibilities now. Like That's why you feel really neat when you listen to stuff like that, because we're so used to hearing, okay, for example, it's kind of like, oh, do you need to put Antares auto-tune on your voice for it to sound professional pop? Yes and no, right? Like, should be no, but since like all the years we've been listening to boy bands and stuff like that that have been doing that, our ears have just, a, that's just the way a professional vocal sounds. So in that same mindset, like it's just the way, you know, humans, society, whatever, whatever it is, you know, we've been, we've been, we've only been us our whole life, right? And we've only been going through our experiences our whole life, right? So our experiences up until very recently have been this Western music thing, pop, kind of chordal kind of melody music and now that we're getting into this dance world you know where we can just like lay down like a a bass note and jump between different modes it feels interesting to the listener because it's not something that is common practice what's super cool about this kind of stuff like when you're switching modes or or borrowing chords or whatever i used to i used not like it very much just because of what you're talking about i was so trained to normal music. I was trained to major or minor. And so when I'd hear something else in different key, it was like, oh, that's weird. You know what I mean? I'm not used to that. But I was talking with uh, AU5. So him, uh, so AU5 and Fractal just did a remix for Elenium called Sound of Walking Away. And in the drop, they go to, uh, it's supposed to be like a, a, a one minor chord, but they do a one major chord instead. And 
it creates this whole different feel. And at first I was like, uh, and he's like, I felt the same way. But like, when you do that, it's like, you know, like, let's say you're painting a landscape instead of making the sky blue, you're making it green or something like that. You know what I mean? It's just like artistically, you're doing something weird and there's a lot of cool things that come out like that. And after a while, it actually starts to stick with you and you're like, Hey, this is actually really cool. You know what I mean? Cause it, it, at first it feels awkward because you're like, I'm not used to this. But then after a while, it's like, this is actually really cool. Like, you know what I mean? Like, absolutely. And some people don't go through that awkwardness that you go through. They just go through a, cause you again are a musician, right? Mm-hmm. So you want you, when you hear something like that to you, it's weird and awkward, I think, because you're trying to make sense of it, but where maybe the layman might hear it and just might say, Ooh, that's fresh. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because to them, they don't, they don't care what it is you did. They just heard something interesting. This is a great start to an amazing episode. So way to go. It's fun to kind of push the boundaries a little bit. One of my students told me about a tweet that killed the noise made. Um, just so I get everybody gets credit. <laughs> it was interesting. He he said, suggested that maybe we should, instead of searching our samples by name or whatever, we search them by frequencies. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because it's kind of the same thing about what you just said about Oh, painting the sky green. Like if we search our samples by frequencies, you know, if I want a hi-hat, now I search for frequencies between or sounds between these frequencies or whatever. What if I got something else that wasn't a hi-hat, but fit that same role? You see what I'm trying to say? This could be interesting in the sense that this is where I think, or at least part of music is going because even nowadays with like serum and everything, there's been so many really, really cool. I mean, cymatics is done a great job in just giving us awesome samples for that synth we we need to now we need to now take that and i don't know re not reinvent the synth but like i don't know reinvent the way we go about certain things i think and i thought that was really interesting how you said like paint the sky green because i think that's what a lot of people are trying to do nowadays is just take something that you would expect and give it to you in another way circling kind of back around to the sound design because that would be the, 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 the sound design be the second most curious thing about second most curious about so how did you do the the main sound in, in the drop. I was, I was trying to work it out and have a, a few kind of suspicions, but I, 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 I what, do you, well, what do you think? What do you think? I'd love to hear your suspicions. My, my best guess is maybe using the Combs filter in serum effects that might Ooh. give a similar sound. Um, uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't quite put a confident guess on it. Okay. No, no, it's great. It's great. So basically, uh, basically again, this song is called hood rat and uh, it's funny how like everything we're talking about, I guess maybe it's not funny. It's all in the same vein because this particular song, my, my, my goal was to not use a synth. That was my goal in this in this particular uh, in this particular song. I, I did not. I wanted to see if I can get the result, the same result, same similar result without using a synth. So uh, if if we can, I would like to just listen to this little section, like maybe just right here, and right you'll you'll hear the sample say "Use a hood rat." It's a silly sample. The whole song is actually built around the word "rat." The entire song is built around that word rat. And that was kind of my challenge to myself. So even the offbeat chant or skank is the word rat, rat. It's just the first syllable of rat. And then uh, you'll, on the first downbeat, use a hood. And then I, and I pitch it up and it goes rat. And it's the word rat. So really the whole drop. And then the drop itself, the actual lead itself is the, is the phrase rat. But anyway, let's listen a little bit. And then I think you'll be able to hear it. And then we'll get under the hood and take a look at it. So here we go. <laughs> Yeah. 
cool, cool. So yeah, that entire uh, that entire drop is made out of pretty much that word ra ra, right? So let's go ahead and check it out. Here it is, right? And this is our uh, obviously I've I've consolidated, but that but that's not that's not gonna that's not a big deal. Let's look at the processing, and I think what you're looking for is this guy right here, there <laughs> multiplier. Yep, that's the yeah. one you're looking for. This is the guy. But also a big part of the sound was I was experimenting with this yo man, but in different places, right? At first, I had it in the rack by itself, but for whatever reason, when you put it after the reverb, it just gives it this really neat sound. So I'm gonna go ahead and solo the um, the main sound so we can go ahead and hear this um, if you like, and then we can kind of just see what see see what's going on there. So this is the this is the sound, and then I am automating. I am automating this, but that's the only thing that's being automated. And is that the, uh, what, what are you automating there? It's the frequency shifter? It's the frequency knob on the frequency shifter? Actually the fine knob. The, I find that this frequency knob is, it's very drastic. <laughs> too too you aggressive? Move, you can move this thing like, and I think that's why they have the fine knob there. Because the, this thing, I think you just set like what I did anyway. This is like one of those, nobody, there's no instruction manual on this guy. <laughs> I find a spot that I like, and then I kind of just, rock around down here you know so um, as we listen this is the thing that's pitching and i kind of i kind of kind of create a little shape i you know i try to create this little this little flowy thing that's happening here so so very cool so but what's really interesting if i turn everything off you'll see how not interesting this sound really is you know pretty cool right you know yeah pretty rad right it's like you think that this crazy is happening but it's really just the word rad like something that i learned um not too long ago was this is uh very important here like it's not doing much when you add all this stuff it sounds like it's doing these weird like almost like combs you're absolutely right it does almost sound like that but it's just it's just these stutters that I don't even think are right, Maybe there's a little pitching going on in there. Oh wait, you know what? It may be a little pitching going on in there, but it's not much going on. Once you turn this guy on, this is really what does it right here. This is the guy right here doing it. And then after that, I just kind of shape it together. Um, one thing that I do like to do almost every time is um, while I'm even even if I do a stack like sometimes my stacks go as far as like five or six deep this one just like i said i've experimented a few ways with this and this just sounded best like this sometimes you guys know as well as i do with music there's no rules right just guidelines <laughs> anyway um so one one thing i always 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 do really is this r box this is waves r box here this thing is like really 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 great really great <laughs> i use it on vocals and i use it on my leads like almost every time and if you notice I do. I did use mono on purpose because um, over here, at least when I'm stacking, it's kind of like you know. Would you really stack a brass hit with a with a growl sound? Probably not, right? I mean, you could. You could do anything, but they're both the same frequencies, right? So the same thing here. It's like why stack these guys on top of each other? Just just layering them when I could make one super mono. Give it, give it some nice excitement, compression. And then, you know, here I've got my, obviously my reverb, my yo man. Oh, and my um, center stereo is something else that I really enjoy from Waves. Just to give like 
obviously um, I have the mono set up on this one. So not that I wanted it to be like, you know, but I did bring down the center here and bring up the sides here. So I am kind of creating this mono to side situation and kind of, you know, stacking them in more like a puzzle piece than a layer. For those who don't know what Arbox is, can you give just a little bit of a background on it? Sure. It's um, like Waves, like anything else Waves does. Um, I highly recommend Waves. They're just really, really great. Like everything else Waves does, they, they have these plugins. That's why they have so many in their, in their batch. They have these plugins that do like one thing really, really well. And, and you know what? Like you never really know. I mean, I don't, I mean maybe you do if, if you went researched it, but sometimes these plugins don't even like to tell you what they're doing. You're pulling down this compression knob, but I believe it's more than just a compressor back there. I believe it's like an exciter compressor type thing happening. Anyway, it's made to, like you notice that they're, okay, it's a compressor, but where's the attack? Where's the release? Where's the ratio? Well, again, that's the thing about these, these waves things. Like this is made to sound good for the vocals. So it's kind of like a preset situation. You pull it down and it just makes the vocal sound better. Um, it does have a gate over here. Um, I'm not using it this time. And that's, again, that's why I love this plugin. It's like, how much awesomeness do you want? You just pull it down. Like, you know what I mean? Until it's too awesome, then you back it off. Um, that's, that's really, uh, there's really not much to say about it. You got a gain knob, a compressor knob, and a gate knob. But I guess the main thing to understand is, um, sounds great on vocals and I believe aggressive leads. Oh, sorry, can you can do a quick before and after with that? Yo, man, thanks. I think that's a... A, a, really, a really cool bit of a final touch on the sound like that. Absolutely, sure, perfect. <laughs> so yeah, that, yeah, Yo Man is like notorious for sounding metallic-y. And you know, if you kind of mess around with this guy here, sometimes you can mess around with this feedback here and you could really dial it in the right way or when I say the right way, the way you want. And the best part about putting it in a rack like this is you don't have to be so specific. You could just kind of pour it on, kind of, I always use, and I know maybe it's not a great analogy, but I use Photoshop a lot. So I use it in an analogy where like you could add a, a tint and then use the opacity and just get like that tint to your overall kind of color, whatever. Same thing with like one of these racks. You can just kind of throw them in there and just kind of, just kind of make it kind of blend in a little bit. It's not, you don't have to be so specific, I think. And if you were doing it like cereal, you would, you know? What, is there anything after the OTT? Just a little bit of shaping on the EQ, a little overdrive. I uh, got a little more just, just, again, I'm just trying to blend these two guys together. So as I was listening, I wanted to just bring it in a little bit. Um, and then, you know, my glue compressor to kind of just catch the peaks and push the RMS up a little bit there. Some final shaping here. And then whenever I have a rack i feel justified to use my pro l and the pro l just to just to like kind of meld everything together and everything or yes yes and they have um they have these really neat single channel things here so you can be a little bit abusive here like you really can especially when you're doing a sound like this that you're making from like the word raw and you're just kind of blending all of these like tones and and, and weird kind of filters and stuff together or whatever you want to like frequency shifter i guess whatever this thing's doing shifting the frequencies it's cool to just kind of smash it all back together. I think um, people. Say, I'm, I'm I'm a little aggressive with my mixing. I guess yeah. whatever. No, it's not, hey, at the end of the day, if it sounds good, it is good, right? And I think that sounds pretty cool. So and the whole idea of like a talking bass is something that most people want most of the time, to be honest. And I think people almost like default to trying to make a synth talk, which you certainly can do, but it's quite difficult. Um, but as you as you've shown here, so sometimes it's almost easier to start with the vocal and then just make it interesting because then you've almost like skipping the, the difficult part of making a, a synth talk. A question for you, really quick. So the DSer at the very beginning was that just because there was a lot of sibilance going on? 
Bro, I use DS. You have to use DSer on every on all of these sounds. You have to. It's almost non-negotiable. Um, especially when you're making this bass music, you get this build up between like three and five k. That's where the energy is, right? But too much energy build up becomes harsh to our ears. Did you ever hear a song that like you like, but when you turn it up loud, like it just kind of hurts your ears and you have to turn it down? Like, of course we all have. That's the deal, right? You want to be able to turn. Like, one, I learned this one time. I was I was I was hanging out with one of my buddies. He does mastering. He's like. We were listening to one of my tracks and he goes, I want to turn it up, but I can't. And that really struck me. You know what I'm saying? Like he wanted to turn it up, but he couldn't. Why? Because my mix was too harsh. You see what I'm saying? So um, that's before I knew about these DSers. And I, I put them on like, like, sure. Yeah. Sibilance on vocals. You got to put them on sibilance on vocals. I get that. You know, what a lot of people don't realize is um, putting them on synths will take away that harshness. We'll wow. take a, yeah, we'll take away that harshness that especially when you're making bass music with all these, you know, weird sounds and it, well this guy yeah 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 yeah. I mean that can get real that can get that can absolutely get a build up. I mean in this area here. You can you can already see after I've done a lot of this processing there's still this build up right in that area. And if I and if that's left to be uncontrolled, it could hurt your ears and when I say hurt your ears, you're not going to hurt anybody's ears, but music down and that's you don't want that yeah no that, that that totally makes sense just just out of curiosity was the mastering guy was that adam <laughs> it was actually okay shout out to adam hagar he's an amazing mastering engineer if you need yeah, and a good guy too and a really yeah, good guy he's he's incredible he's also a, uh he's a teacher uh over at uh, icon collective so is jerry i don't know if we mentioned that but yeah he's really good if you guys need any uh mastering i highly encourage you to check him out it's a uh, olympia olympian mastering olympia mastering type in adam hagar mastering you'll figure it out uh, as far as the ds or do you always put it at the very beginning or do you put it at the end do you do both do you i hate to give you this answer it's kind of like you put it where you need it i, I know that's the dumbest answer i hate when people give me that answer I, I i tend to put it at the beginning here because as the sound if i could tame it right away then i could kind of i could i can go ahead and um direct like, like let's say i really had a pull down on this here and get a lot of uh reduction or attenuation here I could make that up in the sense that, you know, if, if you have to, you know, you, there's nothing wrong. A lot of people don't realize there's nothing wrong with going like this and like, and then on the next one, you know, boosting it back, you know, and getting that, getting that action back and, you know, you're getting rid of the harshness, but you're getting back that, that, that area, that energy again. Yeah. I, I suppose my, my most general question, which I'm def, def, definitely curious about is how you, how do, how, how do you go about structuring the mix? Because I think in genres like this, it's probably got more different ways of working than almost any other genre. Like some people like to split it all up into like lows, mids and highs. Other people like to do like bass and drums and, and, and so on. So how do you structure the project? When I say standard way of doing it, I pretty much do all my songs like the same way, sort of run everything through. Um, I enjoy this multi-band side chaining. I got this from Cymatics um, because uh, when your kick hits, you don't. I don't necessarily want everything to push down, um, but whatever. I got a multi-band side chain there. Then I've got my um, kick and snare again. My, I believe the kick and the snare is the. Um, I think you asked me about like my layout, right? My grouping and stuff like that. I tend to do the uh, same sort of thing every time. Um, you know, I don't want to paint myself with that brush. Uh, I got myself a side chain channel. Uh, where everything gets routed to. And then I've got my kick and snare channel. I feel like my kick and snare is like the loudest thing in my mix. So I wanted to give it its um, its own, you know, its own channel. I could really focus on it. Uh, tops. Tops are going to be everything that's, you know, on the top and metallic. So hi-hats, rides, any kind of hi-hat loops or anything like that. Cymbals, that kind of stuff um, would be in that group. Percussion, um, anything that's like, 
percussion. So, you know, you got your percussion loops, you got some snare buildups, claps, fills, anything like that. Any kind of foley or chants would go into here. Um, subgroup, which is just all my low, low frequency stuff. So sub drops and, you know, 808s, that kind of stuff. Um, backing is going to be anything that's not a drop bass or a mid bass. Um, so piano, super saws, arpeggiators, pads, that kind of thing. Anything really trumpets, violins. I mean, really anything that's not anything that's not a drop bass. Um, and then I've got my mids, and this is going to be all my drop basses. And that's loose, right? Because we just got done talking about this not being a bass. But in this situation, it's a drop bass, so it falls into that category. Um, and then any other sounds that I have, like my anchor sounds or whatever. Um, and then I, as I move through here, you have some of those more m melodic elements right here. Um, that's going to be in my mid basses. And then I've got some effects down here i just you know sometimes they get into different groups you can put them all into one group or the reason i do this is because my base is here i want all of these guys these guys are sharing similar volumes let's put it that way all of these i essentially mix to for the most part zero for the most part i mix these to zero and then i push them into my group and my group is mixed to negative 14. and i use these glue compressors I, I use these glue compressors to, um, well, not really, if you notice, I'm not getting any compression out of them. And in this case, I'm just using it to catch some of the peaks because, sure, any, any one of these sounds, if I have them set to zero and this is set to 14, should be right at 14. But as soon as they, like, the, some of the energy overlaps a little bit, sometimes it pushes a dB or so over. So this kind of just captures that and doesn't allow that to happen. And I do that on all my tracks. I have that that glue compressor just sitting there at the end, not really compressing anything, but catching a lot of the peaks and stuff like that. And that allows me to keep my, and this, in this case right here, this transient master, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but it has a limiter built into the end. So same sort of thing, more aggressive than the soft clip. So I am kind of shelving these things where they aren't allowed to go past certain, um, certain DBs. You know, it kind of allows me to have all my tops, all my percussions, everything to be sitting at a certain um, level. And I could just kind of mix them all in. It's easy for me. It's easier to mix like, eight tracks than it is the next like 40 tracks if i understood that correctly you've got your so literally all the groups who all hitting ex exactly the same level like like literally everyone on there i mean like the difference is the level though right so my like my kick and snare is my loudest thing in my mix at negative 10 and then uh, my tops are going to be well usually these guys are this is an older mix usually these guys are coming in at negative 12 and, and then these guys are usually coming in at negative 11 Sub's going to be right around negative 12. See, I'm pretty much following my own rules here. This is negative 18. Looks good. Uh, mids are going to be negative 14. And then these are kind of like, these don't really, these are just kind of like, you. I, it's kind of like what I'm doing on Christmas tree, right? You do all the stuff first and you step back and you kind of just put where these, where they need to be. And that's kind of like my, my effects here. But yeah, no, if that's the way you understood it, then that's correct. Yeah, every, every percussion sound coming out of here is coming out at negative 11. Okay, that's super dope. So this is something that I absolutely love. Like one of the, most amazing thing you've taught me many 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 amazing things but one of the most amazing things is like that i think about constantly is the thing with the glue compressor and now you do it with uh with the shack audio transient thing and so if, if for those i know you kind of touched on it just a little bit but can you touch on that just a little bit deeper uh, because basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to get the uh, loud but yet musical mix so could you I, could you go into a little I bit i can absolutely and i'm gonna i'm actually gonna do a full video on this so if, if you guys want more information about this i will have a full video out on this but i would love to explain the concept of this to you guys so the, so Perfect. basically the reason i kind of thought about this or came up with this is because 
I've got a lot of these sounds in a row, right? And, you know, if you just look at this guy, like, let's just look at this here. And I want to pull this up so we can kind of see this maybe just so I can make a, a visual thing. So the way my, look, there we go. This is kind of cool too. So perfect. So if we're looking at this, and I guess I have another sound somewhere up here for here, but the way my drops usually work is there is some type of an anchor sound and then this kind of thing, and then another sound, and then this kind of thing, and then you see how it kind of goes back and forth, obviously. So it's, to me, it's kind of like a baton being passed back and forth. You don't really ever want the listener to know there's an energy drop. So I'm going to try to keep it short, but if these are both mixed to zero, why might one of them sound louder than the other? Do you see what I'm saying? If they're both mixed to zero, and I, and I click over here, and I'm looking at these guys, and they're both, you know, here's my peak meter right here. You can reset it, and you can keep looking at them. If you look at your, your peaks, why is one of them louder than the other? And then I realize it's because of the RMS. So for anybody that doesn't know what RMS is, if I'm just looking at this one sound, this main lead here, I have it soloed. So if I turn off this guy, and maybe, well, this is actually a good example. So as I turn my, my, as I turn this on, this will push that up, but okay. So your, your light green, right? Your light green is going to be your RMS. And then this faded green at the top is going to be your peak. Now, in this case, you know what? I'll go ahead and use my Shack Audio to kind of nail this home. So uh, a lot of times I could just here. Hold on a second. I, wanna, I, got, I got you. So to me, this guy right here is could be a little louder, right? Especially if this sound right next to it. Exactly. Look at this one. Look at, okay. Exact. Perfect example here. Great. So let me solve both these. Let me just go right here. Bang. So now this, okay, I guess this. Perfect, right? Now they're about the same volume, but this one sounded way, way louder to me than this one. For sure, for sure, right? 100%. Why? Well, it's because if you notice, there is less of a distance between your RMS and your peak. And this is something that was interesting to me. So what I figured out is one way, obviously, is you can crush it with a limiter, but that's not very musical and kind of frowned upon. In this case, I'm not really crushing it with a limiter. I'm just kind of gluing these things together. If I wanted to take more advantage of this, one way I could do it would be with the glue compressor. So the way that I use my glue compressor is I have it fully open, fully closed here and on four because that's the one that works for me. And if I go over here, I'm going to push into my oversampling, okay? So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to use this sort of like a limiter in the sense that I'm going to push up my RMS, but the difference is a limiter is a brick wall, okay? So when the sound hits it, it just kind of crumbles up under it, right? Which, I mean, is okay in certain situations, but if I was to do that on every track, you, would, you wouldn't like it. But this is more like this. Ready, watch. So here's this, and it kind of... It kind of pushes through, right? But it doesn't actually, but it doesn't actually, so it's not going over and breaking into zero, but it's definitely going over, right? So it's, it's an interesting little concept. And what I'm going to do is just push that RMS up closer to, to the RMS of this. And now they're the same volume. You see what I'm saying? Now they're the same, now they're, now they're much closer to the same volume. Let's listen now. So it's 
all I'm doing here, and obviously it doesn't sound over-compressed because I'm not compressing it. Look again. No compressions happening, no reductions happening at all. So I'm not using this as a compressor, really. I'm using this to both catch the peaks and influence a little bit of more RMS uh, energy up closer to the peak energy. That's incredible. So really quick, uh, just for people that can see it too, can you also do this with the Shack Audio? I know it's the same concept. It is uh, the same concept. Um, This one will always create color, saturation. It's a glue compressor. So as I push into the soft clip, obviously I'm soft clipping, creating some type of, you know, harmonics and stuff. And that's great, but maybe not for my hi-hats. You see what I'm saying? So um, on my hi-hats, I probably wouldn't want to do that. But if I wanted to on my hi-hats, for example, right over here, I got these cool getter, um, these cool getter hi-hats here. Let me go ahead and solo that. And let's check out our RMS on this and see what we can do. So, so there we go, obviously. So this, this has got a lot of room to work with. Guys, this is something that, that, I, that I say a lot to me. The secret to a loud mix is basically controlling your RMS, basically. And you can overdo this, and if you do this, and if you just, if you just throw your RMS up on everything, you've got a flat mix, I get that. But if you want a little more volume out of your sound and not necessarily want more peak, like you know what I mean, then this is a great um, solution. So what we're going to do is we're going to go over here and I'm going to go to my plugins. Uh, I'm going to grab the Shack Audio. Um, this is something that, that uh, Mr. Deeds taught me, um, Dirty Deeds. Um, he's another instructor at Icon. Um, so we were talking about doing this RMS thing, and I was showing him how I did it with the glue compressor, and he showed me how he did it with Shack Audio. It's interesting. We're both kind of doing the same thing. So now we have two devices that can do it. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to – okay, cool. Worth mentioning. Uh, I don't want to go too much into detail about this, but usually when you add drive to something, what you're used to hearing is volume boost. And for a long time, I thought the drive gave you volume. But what I just found out is that this drive knob is actually connected to like the input gain as well. And that's because drive actually reduces your volume. Who would have thought? But this transient shaper here, this drive knob actually acts like a drive knob. So watch what happens as I add. Right now, I just added this. Let me get rid of the saturator. I just added this transient shaper. It's not doing anything right now. Just sitting there. It's just sitting there. In fact, I'm going to loop this so I don't have to keep stopping. Cool. It's just sitting there doing nothing. No change at all. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to influence some drive on it. You see what happened? Let me, let me just put it all the way up. And look what happened to my, look what happened to my. So as I influence drive on it, it's going to reduce that peak. Let's see what I can do here. Reduce it a bit. There we go. So now we've got ourselves. What's really interesting here, what's really, really interesting here, and this blows me away every time, without it, it sounds lower in volume, but it's actually like six or seven dB louder. Like, that's the funny part. Like, right here, look, it's like one negative one here, negative 1.6. And when I turn it on, 
it sounds a lot louder, but when I hit it, it's like negative 8.5. Like, that's to me the really funny part. Like, the last thing I'll say here is when it comes down to it, like when I said the, the trick to a loud mix is controlling your RMS, in the digital world, we have to zero, okay? So we've got, like, you can think of it as a bucket of water, two-gallon bucket of water, finite. If I put more than two gallons of water in that bucket, it's going to overflow. So I have a finite amount of room. Think of it as like you're going out for the weekend and you've only got one duffel bag to pack all your clothes in for the weekend. If I just got my clothes and just shoved them in there, right? Like I'm not going to fit a whole lot in there. But what if I got like a vacuum seal and I sucked everything down? And zoop, I mean, I could fit a lot of stuff in there. See what I'm saying? So if this, so in that sense, if you, if you, could, if you could think about that analogy, in that sense, this is louder, but I could fit eight times the many things in there. Like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, I'm 8 dB, I'm 8 dB lower than I was before, but I'm louder. So perception is louder volume. Reality, reality is I could actually still have more room in there to fit more stuff in there. That is, to me, that's the, that's the trick to a loud mix. I freaking love the way you explain things because like I, I understood this before, but now bringing in like the, the vacuum sealed thing, it like just makes it that much more clear. I'm like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. This is freaking amazing. You only have so much room. Like in the, in the analog world, some of us might be used to pushing into zero, right? And it's not finite. You have this flex room or whatever. But in the digital world, it's, it's, I mean, if you go over zero, it sounds like bad. You know what I mean? It sounds bad. Absolutely. So, um, so like anything else, like in the matrix, right? Like certain rules can be bent, others can be broken, right? Like I was talking about that thing where you push over zero a little bit. It's weird. You're going over zero, but you're not. Like it's a, it's a way to kind of push the boundaries of what's possible, but still stay in a very non-distorted, non-overdriving clean sounding mix. So with, with this, whether you use the glue compressor, whether you use the transit shape or whatever you do, do you do that on every single track plus groups and everything? Or what, what do you usually do use this on? Sure. So this is something that I definitely, if, if you guys are going to try, I, you got to experiment with because you can overdo this. You absolutely can overdo this where it's kind of like if I, if I paint one of like, if I paint one of my walls black, right? Just one. And my buddy of mine comes in and he's like, dude, that's so dope. You painted one of your walls black. I love it. It's, it looks so cool. He leaves and I'm like, huh, that dude really liked my black wall. Hmm, I'm going to paint all my walls black. He's going he's gonna to love it. And then he comes over the next day. Is he going to love it? Probably not, right? He's going to be like, dude, that was so cool. The, 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 the contrast between all your white walls and your one black wall. I really like that. Now you just got a black room. In fact, it feels smaller. This is the kind of thing that like you do want to think about on every track. But if you push all of your tracks, hey man, it's a whole sweet and sour thing, right? There would not be sweet if there wasn't sour. There wouldn't be loud if there wasn't quiet and all that kind of stuff. So if I crushed all my stuff, there's nothing to compare it to. To answer your question though, I do have a uh, glue compressor on most of my groups to catch my peaks. Okay, okay, here's the way I'll answer it. You gotta look at all the sounds in your group, right? Look at your loudest sound. Your loudest sound in your group is probably okay. And that's what I would use to benchmark all your other sounds. For example, in this uh, group that we just went into, remember when I went and I think the main lead, I went and put on that glue compressor to catch it up over here to this anchor sound, right? I guess I have something on that as well. Yeah, I guess I've already pushed that guy into it. So yeah, in this, in this situation, I'm looks like I'm pushing most of my things into the glue compressor to meet everybody else. That's really what it comes down to. I just look at who's the loudest 
And I want like the littlest amount of room in my bases. Like, you know what I mean? I want the littlest amount of room. I don't want it to be like, but I want there to be a very small amount of room. So I guess all my bases, yes, all my bases I'm going to really think about. But like, I don't, I, it's a case by case thing. It's a case by case thing, but don't overdo it. Look at your, look, use your eyes. That's another, that's, a, that's another thing I'll say. I mix with my eyes as much as I mix with my ears. Let's, let's put it, let's put it like that. So if you're looking at your peaks here and your ears are telling you something's wrong, use your eyes to look at your RMS to peak ratio. Because if you have one sound that's like this and another sound that's like, it's like this, your eyes and your ears together should be able to tell you that maybe one of these tricks is applicable in this situation. It's a case by case thing. And I hate to give that answer because like, you know, we're here to learn something, right? We're not here to hear it's a case by case something. So I guess, I guess what I would say is try it and then back it off. You're going to, this is the kind of thing that I've done mixes that I've wasted my time, not really wasted my time, but I've pushed the boundaries and I've listened to the mix and I'm like, Oh, that's a bit squashed. You see what I'm saying? So I, I challenge you guys to, to really understand that you're going to have to push past the threshold, know where that threshold is, and then reel it back a bit. Kind of like, awesome. like anything else. A question I'd like to ask is, what did you do in this track that is, I suppose, technically breaking the rules or unconventional, uh, but worked in the context of the track? And one thing I did spot is you've actually got some automation on the master, but I'm, I'm not, not quite sure what, 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 what it's doing there. Was that? Yeah. Sure, I could talk about that first. Um, obviously, the most unconventional thing I did here was I thought that lead for sure. Um, oh, just yeah, yeah. just <laughs> trying to just for me, that's what I in my mind, that's the kind of the boundary I pushed. Um, in this in this particular one, this is another thing that's pretty common practice to me. Um, I forget where or who told me this. It oh, Slushy, Slushy uh, told me about this. Julian, so really great. He he does this pretty aggressively. Um, he'll go down to like negative three. Um, I, sometimes I do go down to negative three. What happens is, and I use like I use an impact here to so you don't notice it. So I might mix my impact maybe two or three dBs loud. You see what I'm saying? So when it hits here, boom. It sounds as loud as everything else, but then right after that tail happens, it's down two or three dB, and that just shrinks the energy on all my builds. So this is what I do on, on my builds here, um, shrinking the energy, and then I bring it right back up before the drop to hit, well, I even bring it up to like negative one dB. So then when it comes back in on the drop, it's, it's still, still a, a dB louder. So to me, this, I don't know, creates a bit of, of tension and a bit of mystery into the drop and then hopefully that drop hits just a little bit harder oh, nice one yeah i remember it was a i remember seeing because yeah it's, it's one of those things i kind of recommend people do uh you, you can either do it this way with the automation on the master or you can actually automate uh like the ceiling or the threshold of, of, of a limiter and, and mm. actually do it in, in mastering as well um, but i remember seeing kill sonic do it uh actually right in the middle of a drop section so if you imagine like an aba drop section uh for the last second half of the B section, he kind of brought down the, the level, like say 2dB, huh. uh, which meant when the A section came back in, uh, you kind of didn't realize, but it kind of hit that 2dB harder. Did he do it? Did he do it like linearly like this or did he just drop like this? Strange you asked that because he, uh, he, it wasn't quite linear, linear, no. So it kind of went down, I think it was over four bars, like curvy, or I suppose roughly ah. linear, but, but it ends up I looking see. like... Um, sure, but it came down slow, so, so we didn't yeah. notice. Cool. Exactly. Nice. Um, but no, it, it, it's, it's a really cool thing that I, I kind of say it's unconventional because you don't really see anyone doing it. But at the sure. same time, strictly speaking, there's no reason why you couldn't do it. And it, it uh, obviously works. This is what I've been realizing, man. Like, I know that we're all like, you know, learning here and, and going to school or 
taking lessons from mentors or whatever it is you're doing to get your game up. You got to you guys got to realize all of it is just guidelines, right? This is just music and we're we're trying to make something impactful and if you want your drop to hit a little bit harder, makes sense to take the energy out before it. So when you say unconventional, it might not be that everybody's doing it, but if you got a good idea, just try it. Like, you know what I mean? Like who, who, who's to say what's right and wrong anymore? The, actually, the concept that you're talking about right now is like kind of breaking the rule to create something amazing. That's where penicillin came from. Spoiler alert, penicillin is mold, oh, yeah, but, sure. pen, but, but penicillin saves lives. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's, I don't know, that's pretty unconventional. But no, dude, that's speaking about the contrast thing. This is genius. This is straight genius because it's, a, it's, just, it's gradually, maybe even almost to a subconscious level, Basically, like, you know that you're going to have your, your drop coming. It's going to be huge and, and crazy. So you're like, what if just like ever so slightly, I just bring the volume down so people don't notice it. But because I'm doing that, I'm on the drop. Yeah, it's just, yeah. oh my gosh, Jerry, this is so dope. People want you to hold their hand. Like when, you, when they're listening to music, it's not they're like, so again, producers forget this. Producers like me and you listen to a song and what do we say? Oh, dope growl or awesome sound design or whatever we say, right? But like Johnny on the spot, right? What's he going to say? He's going to say cool song. You know what I mean? And they're not going to think about all that technical stuff. They're just going to enjoy that. In this case, that, that little explosion on the drop. So again, whether it's right or wrong or not, I mean, we're, we're telling a musical story here and whatever you have to do to convey your, your message, I think is fair game. All right. So this is also a question that we ask everyone who comes onto the show. So if you could go back in time and sit with yourself while you were writing this song and basically mentor yourself and be like, Hey, younger Jerry, try this, this or that, or avoid this, this and this or, or, or whatever. I mean, would, what would you tell yourself? Would you say anything or would you, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, dude, I'm the kind of guy that like, I, I've mixed this song probably six times. So oh, yeah, over the last, like, and that's how I learned. This is like kind of what I was recommending to you guys too. Like, so I've already like, I've, I've, I visited myself six times already. Right. Like, you know what I mean? So like, and this is still maybe a few months old now, but like all that. Okay. For example, you might notice that on this track, I've really closed down these guys, right? This isn't something I do anymore. So maybe something I would tell myself now is like, don't do that (laughs) because like what I'm trying to do here is not get any kind of, I'm not trying to adjust the way my sound sounds. Uh, I'm trying to adjust the way my peak and RMS is. So for me now, having this full open, full closed, and on four, the reason I don't have it on two is because it gets actual compression, and I don't want that. And ten sounds a little bit squashed. So again, it's I guess I guess what I would uh, I guess as I'm getting older, more experienced, whatever you want to call it, because it's only been a few months since I've done this. I'm I'm I'm, I'm learning the, the finer details, you know, what I'm saying finessing a bit. Yeah, I guess you know what I guess if I can give myself any advice at all, it's like sometimes less is more, but you don't really know where the line is unless you venture out and cross it too. At this point, I know to, to back off a bit, like to just, you know, let, maybe don't, maybe don't be so aggressive. But at the same time, if I never went down that road to see what was so aggressive, I don't think I would have known that. Right. So I, I always recommend pushing the boundaries, exploring. And a lot of these songs, like I'll, I, like all those songs on my EP, I've probably mixed each of those songs four or five times each. Even somebody like me that's I'm pretty decent at mixing and whatever. One going through a song once is just not good enough for me. And and, and maybe at least not yet anyway. Do you want us to give you feedback on this song? Sure. Why not? That'd be great. Of awesome. course. I, re- I respect both of you guys and I would love some feedback. So uh, something that I think is amazing, which knowing how smart you are, probably already tried this. 
But for those who haven't tried this, I kind of feel like it would work. So in this, uh, when we were talking about the, the, the concept of contrast in order to make a drop feel big or, or, or whatever, I love that you did the volume automation. Something that I was told or that I was taught that I've always wanted to try that I haven't, that I would like to see uh, if you have or not, is basically when the drop, you know, like, yes, like as it's kind of like you're automating the volume at the same time, what if you automated the mids and sides? So like basically the build, like it starts out as stereo and, and it has, you have your mids, you have your sides, but as it comes closer to the drop, everything becomes mono. It comes and comes and comes and comes so that when the drop hits, everything comes back out. Does that make sense? I love that. I love that idea. That sounds amazing. It sounds like something I'd like to try. Cool. Awesome. So, yeah. you, so you haven't tried that before? No, I've never tried that. No, cool. I just never, never thought about that. That sounds great. Yeah, to me, because it just makes sense because all of a sudden everything's here and then, yeah. and then everything kind of like comes Could out be, here. Yeah, let's, like, why not? Let's, uh, let's try it out. I mean, any, like you said, anything to add that contrast will work. And that sounds like something that would, would be noticeable from one to the other. Exactly. So I, I, would, I would highly encourage you to check that out. As far as yeah, anything else, dude, I, I don't really got anything because this was a super dope drag. Like, this is thank super you. It was fun cool. to make. But thank you for that. That was, a, that was actually, I, that sounds like something I'd like to try. White's bit of feedback kind of, will kind of su- suggest, I suppose, reminded me of a, it was on one of the older Pensado Space episodes, but it's a, I think it might have been a hip hop producer or something. He basically, he, he, like, he like rolled off everything above, say, 15, 16,000 hertz or so. And then it was only about a minute and a half into the track that he suddenly allowed those high frequencies to actually be heard. But because like literally everything had those kind of 15, 16K and upwards rolled off before the minute, minute and a half, that meant the listener, the listener didn't really realize there was something missing until the drop happened. And then all of a sudden there are these new frequencies there that they didn't kind of realize they had, which all, all of a sudden apparently made it that much more exciting. So that, that's kind of something that I've been wanting to play around with. Uh, huh. So, so, so maybe, maybe truncate some of the, the frequencies actually until the, until the drop and then, and then let them have it. Which is huh. all, 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 I like almost that. like I remember hearing a, a, D, a DJ once saying if he, if he had like a, a six or seven hour set, uh, he'd actually like, like turn off or like severely turn down some of the speakers until like an hour and a half, two hours huh. in. Um, so people, people didn't quite realize they were missing some of the sound, but then when he wanted to, he can kind of turn up that energy and, and really give them that extra bit of something. Which is a- That's clever. That's really clever. I like that. Thank you for that. That both of those are really good, really good, like uh, really good. Uh, and, and then I suppose my only other bit of feedback, or, or not really, I suppose feedback, but something that I think would be really cool, is that I, I, I really like how you're trying to tell much more of a bigger like story with your brand. Because um, I mean, it, it's it's a really good track, and there, but I suppose also there are loads of people making really cool tracks. Um, but I, I don't see many people actually trying to tell more of a story and put together more of, of like a, a complete package. So something that I think would be really cool is to almost like double down on the storytelling side, almost like how Knife Party do it. So in it, almost like every second or third Knife Party track, it's, it's pretty much an, an, an entire story. And even if it's not a full-blown story like Internet Friends, which literally has like a minute and a half of actual storytelling, in quite a lot of their songs, they, they still have 20, 30 seconds of a, of a, of a bit of story. So I think it could, could, could be really cool to see that in some of your... Were well, you saying like a uh, narrative? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, like storytelling. I've been, I've been playing with that idea, actually. That's very funny. That's awesome. Awesome that you said that. Very cool. Very cool. You're right. I think that would be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's certainly something. I mean, as, as I say, it, 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 it's, it's a really cool track, but I feel like almost unless you're making knife party level bass music, I feel like to really stand out, simply making a good bass music track just isn't necessarily enough. But if you have that story, it kind of takes it to that next level. And certainly like most of my favorite producers, whether it's like Crookers or Knife Party or or like anyone like that, they, they are kind of taken to that next level with a narrative. It's, uh, it's really cool. Nice, yeah. No, I I think that's a uh, pretty awesome, pretty awesome idea. Dude, thank you so much for, for coming on the show, man. We really appreciate it. Thank you for it. having me, it was great. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. What's up, Tal Nation? 
Hope you enjoyed this episode of Behind the Daw that we did with Scarlet, where we broke down his song Hood Rat. Uh, if you're interested in the Patreon or giving suggestions for artists to come on the show or private lessons, again, there's links down in the description. Go ahead and click on those. And also, if you could like, comment, subscribe, repost, follow, you know, whatever's appropriate on the platform that you that you are listening to this on, that'd be amazing. It doesn't matter where you're at. iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, Google Play. Yeah, Google Play, Deezer, YouTube, wherever, you know, wherever you're at. It could really just help us out to know that what we're doing is in the direction that you want us to go. And then finally, make sure to check out the next episode of Behind the Dog. That's a really good one. It's one of the most popular ones on the show. It's an episode that we did with AU5. In that episode, Diamond Eyes and I interview AU5. It's so good. He brings so much knowledge to the table. It's so fantastic. So go ahead and check that out. With all that out of the way, Dawn Nation, I want you to have a fantastic day. All right. Be well. Take care. And we'll see you on the next episode.